0: This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Today on Dreamland, we're going to have a fairly, for me, seems to be a fairly unusual show. We're talking to Dennis Nappy II and Don DeCursell, who have the distinction of becoming involved in remote viewing my implant. A very interesting remote viewing session to me, and I think it's going to be to you, too, because... uh, well you'll see uh don is a remote viewer he's a member of a group of eight remote viewers known as the hellfire remote viewing group and dennis is the coordinator of the group and uh dennis can you let's begin by you telling us a little bit about the group and how (laughs) it came about
1: absolutely um hellfire was founded by uh, my teacher mentor and, and good friend Daz Smith. Daz has been involved in remote viewing for 20 plus, 30 years. Um, I work with Daz on some other projects pretty regularly. And Daz wanted to branch out and explore the more esoteric, more obscure types of targets as opposed to your more traditional, um, you know, current events, world events, uh, financial institutions. Daz wanted to explore those things where there's no limit on, on what we can look at. Um, So he pulled a group of us in that he's a lot of us. He's trained himself to just create this club, to have some fun and explore things. So we rotate every time we have a new target. We have a different um, project manager for your particular target. I was the project manager. uh, So I selected this target. Uh, Whitley, I've been a fan of, of your work and your journey for a very long time. Your communion book sat on my bookshelf when I was a kid growing up terrified me for so long just staring at that face uh, as my mom had it but when i finally got old enough to have the courage to read it uh, it just resonated so much with me Uh, and in a lot of the work that we've been doing and things i've been learning as a remote viewer and as an author um, the implant fascinates me and i thought what a great opportunity for the remote viewers to take a look at this implant to maybe get another piece of the puzzle in terms of uh, maybe who the visitors are and what their intentions are, and also what impact does that have on people that receive these devices, in, in this case, specifically you. Uh, so the viewers, very, I, I was very specific with my targeting with the team to look at your implant at the moment that it was implanted and the intentionality behind that and what the team yeah, brought so back. So they knew the target before they started. No, no. Well, that, so as correct, yeah. So with remote viewing... The tasker uh, is aware of what the target is. The viewers are what we call blind to the target. So what I do is I, I create a, a number that's it's. I use a random number generator. Um, so I have no conscious affiliation with any meanings or subconscious meanings behind these numbers. It's just a random eight-digit code that I come up with. Uh, I use Google to do that, and that's all the viewers get. Hey, there's a new target issued. Here's the target ID. And they just go to work using those coordinates that guides their their consciousness to what the target is based on what I said is the tasking. And when their data comes in, I'll guide them in terms of, hey, on page five, you mentioned this. Tell me more about that. But they don't know anything about the target until the project is done. And then I reveal, hey, here's what you were looking at. Um, So they had no clue where they were going and what they were looking at. It, It prevents that imagination piece from coming into play right. if they knew anything about you.
0: So, Don, how did you get started in remote viewing?
2: Well, um, I'm a retired software engineer and I worked most of my life in the telecommunications industry. Um, uh, and I've had a lifelong interest in the paranormal. Uh, I've, thought, I have that, I've had thought provoking experiences all of my life. Um, I guess I started out with, uh, in my teenage years, with uh, a Ouija board experience, which truly blew my mind, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of that later on. Um, And then later on, as I got into meditation, I started experiencing like uh, Noises in the rooms, taps on the walls, physical phenomena that sounded actually, Whitley, very similar to what you were describing in your YouTube lectures.
0: Yeah, that, we've talked about that, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later, uh, because it is similar, and it's—it's. It's, I think it's important because it is the way a certain level of this whole experience communicates with people, and you, you need to learn to... You, or you can learn if you wish to use it and to mm-hmm. use it as a the same way it's it's to, to communicate with it pretty much on its level now uh dennis when you got the notes back from the remote viewers was it clear to you that they had hit the target or did all of them hit the target how did that work
1: yeah, it was it was very clear um, that they were making contact. They were bringing back images of what looked like, and, and across all the viewers, there was crossover data. So again, like they had no idea what they were working, yet these independent sessions are coming in, and they had a lot of similarities. There were these small devices that were being drawn, and even though the shape might have been slightly different on these type devices, they all had these extensions coming out, these roots, these tendrils, and they were describing that. Um, They were describing uh, telepathic communication coming from this device, working with one mind to the mind of a higher intelligence, Um, you know, describing these beings and maybe their purpose and how they work with what we think is the human race, um, you know, in in the evolutionary process. Um, So, yes, there was a lot of data where I'm looking at that and going, wow, this is incredible. This is this is right in line with uh, with what the tasking was.
0: Yeah, I was pretty stunned when I saw the data, I have to tell you as all eight of them basically hit the target mm-hmm. yeah. now is that usual in your remote viewing do they usually all hit the target
1: i'd say yes i mean we we all have and and with remote viewing you know you get out of it what you put into it and even, but even the best remote viewers have bad days and, and remote viewing as a caveat is is one way of gathering information it's it's not the end all be all, 100% accuracy. There's always noise in all of your sessions. Um, you know, so I want to, there's a lot of variables that come into play. But the team that we're working with, we've, had, we've been pretty good with uh, pulling back relevant data to our taskings.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've known Hal Putoff and Russell Targ both many mm-hmm. years and uh, yeah. have been involved in one way or another with uh, the remote viewing program off and on for most mm-hmm. of my adult life. But I'm not a good remote viewer. And hmm. once the implant was in, that was just over. I can't remove you at all anymore. It's as if it's blocked.
2: Hmm. But
0: apparently the, the signal isn't blocked, only me. So yeah. uh, I wanna, now this is going to be a kind of an outlier question. Mm-hmm. These radios, this type of radio, it's tuned. It's a little ordinary uh, handheld communicator. It's tuned to the frequency 144.1, and my listeners know about this. Uh, there is a, a uh, there, uh, there was a man named Mark Sims who used to be active in this field and isn't much anymore, <laughs> but he introduced me to these radios and said that you could use um, your mind to get the radio to uh respond at 144.1 megahertz and we were at his house and fooling around with the radios and we found that this was true you could get the radios to respond but this is a frequency that's almost unused it used to be the morse code frequency and it's Mm -hmm. you know it's you know you can be on it for hours and you hear nothing but but and so i got a couple of the radios and brought them here. Now, anywhere outside of this apartment, when you turn on one of these radios at 144.1, it's basically silent. Just silent. Inside this apartment, this happens.
1: Of course, it's playing games with me now. This reminds me of the movie Signs, Willie. (laughs) In what way? I didn't see the movie signs. Oh, uh, they, they use a baby monitor and it hears ET communication as indicators of uh, their presence. <laughs> and it well, sounds usually, like clicking it, sounds. This
0: is, this is a relatively low activity level, a little up, probably yeah. if I leave it on. But in any case, if I walk out of the apartment, if I step out on the deck, it right. goes completely silent. Hmm. Now, does that have anything to do? Or can you conceive of it having anything to do with what you do? Because there's some kind of a signal. It's not just a radio signal. Yeah. If it was a radio right. signal, I'd, you'd hear it all around. It'd still be right. outside. But it's so confined to this apartment. And yeah. uh, therefore, it's not a radio signal. Also, you but can have two of these radios in your hand side by side. And they begin to, uh, they begin to, to uh, react differently to two different Hmm. signals, and that's impossible too.
1: Right. Uh, Well, you know, in terms of what we do with remote viewing, we're still not sure exactly how it works. We have our own experiences and theories, and there's research out there, but we really don't know how it works other than there is a signal that we tap into that comes from somewhere. Is that somewhere uh, us in the future when we're getting our feedback? Are we actually going to the target site itself? It could be any number of things where that's coming from. Um daz did have some data in his session. I think it was daz um talking about the implant and how it's communicating on a quantum level. So could that be interfering with what's happening with your radios when it's around you? That's that's highly possible.
0: I don't know, but it certainly the implant works in a very different way from anything we have. It's not like whispering uh, some right. things to me, it, it is a very, very sophisticated thing. Mm-hmm. Don, I want to come back to you now and ask about uh, your experience. Why did you? How did you come into remote viewing?
2: Well, I guess um, uh, as I was talking about the uh, my earlier experiences with the Ouija board and whatever, that gave me a sense of uh, something beyond something. Maybe even greater than myself, um, and through meditation, I got a stronger sense of this. It was um, you're a meditator, Whitley. You you yeah, know what I'm yeah. talking about. You 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 once you experience some of this, it can almost become addictive. You you require it. You need it. Um, you want. I it. wouldn't
0: do a day without it. Absolutely yeah. not. It's very much so, part of my life.
2: So. That uh, got me into this whole notion of uh, remote viewing. I guess in the uh, late 1990s, some uh, books started to come out about remote viewing, mm-hmm. and I and I researched it. You know, a fledgling internet back then, you know, I was able to sort of look it up and find out that there were courses being offered, but they were beyond my means at the time. And so, fine, I had a family, let's continue raising the kids of the family and just keep moving forward. But later on, um the kids now are grown up, they're moving away. You know, I found a, a teacher that I could afford and I got involved with uh the remote viewing and uh uh it was what I wanted. It was like this opening your mind to something new, something something different, it, information Whitley coming from nowhere. It's literally coming from nowhere. Um, In my remote viewing work, I get words. I don't even know what they mean. I have to look them up. Okay, this is information from nowhere. So um, some of the stuff that I handed off to Dennis for this project, I actually wrote down in the corner definitions, Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what it was talking about. And in order to continue, I wrote the definition and then proceeded. So um, does this give you some idea?
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, the Russians have a very good remote viewing program. Mm -hmm. They don't, uh, they don't, you can't just take a class in Russia to remote view. It's much more complicated than that. They have a very good program. I'm, not aware of one in China, they may have one, but if so, it's very far under the surface. Mm -hmm. And these things are never discussed publicly there in either country, and that I do know, because I've looked into that carefully. I was very curious about how they were handling remote viewing. Mm -hmm. Of course, here in the United States, basically all you have to do is go on the internet and you find yourself a class, and if you can afford it, you can take it, and usually Mm -hmm. it works, and that's very interesting, isn't it? Most people can do this unless, like in my case, I'm blocked. I think there are. it's possible that it has something to do. It's like the implant is kind of overriding that part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Or it's something to do with the these these things. Uh, mm-hmm. Where are we? There we are. These things. And <laughs> uh, it, uh, if so, I'm going to try it in a more formal way when I'm not here, I'm going to be traveling a lot now. And when I'm well away from here and in places I'm not expected, which is usually how I travel, Mm -hmm. I will try it again and see if it works just to see if it's, it's this or something else.
1: Okay. Now let's go. Can I just jump in real quick? Whitley. I just had a comment, Uh, you know, in thinking about remote viewing, uh, reading your book, the key Um, There was a a piece in there that was very eye-opening for me as, as, you know, years ago, I was trying to piece things together with one of my projects. And your, your guest talked about the electromagnetic sense organ that exists just above the surface of the skin. And I found that to be, you know, ties into other research, like the HeartMath Institute's research about the electromagnetic pulse wave that comes out of the heart and that communicates empathy and, and basically data and i think that ties in that this what what your visitor was talking about in term it, it's tapped into how we have these abilities and i'm wondering if yes. your implant somehow interacts with or interferes with that electromagnetic tuning that you have
0: meaning that it never goes into superposition that's possible mm-hmm. because when it's in superposition it's when you can remote view with it and and the and the whole process of remote viewing teaching is actually mm-hmm comes down to using techniques where you can let the information come in without right. without uh, 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 disturbing the superposition right. of that organ. And and yeah. and folks, by the way, the organ's not mysterious. If you have right. an EEG, the electroencephalogram, they're going to pick that organ up. They're going to pick those mm-hmm. signals up. How strange. Did he, did you hear that signal? I, I I did hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing that the problem is, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I just here. <laughs> okay. Well, someone's my, saying My that. listeners are used to this wildness on this right. show. All kinds of strange things have happened, and uh, as are we. I think it might have something to do with <laughs> a, with an alarm that tells me whether or not my cell phone is too far away, but. There it is again, yeah, see it oh, did boy. think this so but why would it think the cell phone which anyway, well let's not get sidetracked here. Uh, the, uh, so remote viewing uses that and and when you go into the right kind of meditative state, mm-hmm. the organ is open, you can use it and there are things I can do with it because you know right. you can you can change its size you can do all kinds of things with it uh if you uh if you really get used to it yeah i mean you can what you do is you visualize it as light and then you can move it around you can move it around yourself or you can project it into other places you can do all kinds mm-hmm. of things with it it's a it is an electromagnetic organ in the truest right. sense of that word okay now don when you got this, uh, what do you, how, how does it work? What do you get when, you, when you're starting a, uh, a project? What do you get? You from? get a
2: number. Okay, this is the uh, project reference number that Dennis created that, and he assigned associated mentally and physically, probably typing something out, mm-hmm. uh, the, w- what it was that he was looking for. But all I got, all of the viewers, we just got a number. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just a number. It's, a, it's hard to believe really. Um, but yeah, from that number, you sort of take it, you write it down on your sheet of paper, and then you forget about it. And you just start going into that mental space where you start getting, I heard glass, clicking glass, like it was being placed on a table, moving fine instruments, like um, very scalpels and very fine, you know, handwork, beakers with liquids. Um, You don't question this stuff, Whitley. You just, that's what I got. That's what you write down. Okay. So none of this is making up any kind of a story just yet. It's all just these diverse kind of perceptions. You just put it down. I got a sense of people being directed to a hidden location. Um, it seemed like it was underground. It was um, definitely... Are you
0: talking about when you remote viewed my implant? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Well, go ahead. And uh, so, um, you know, you just put all of this stuff down. And, um, uh, you know, I, I turned in my, my session to Dennis. and. Um, what I do is I generally do a second session. Um because as Dennis has already explained, your viewers can be off now and then. So I might be talking about somebody playing golf one day, and then my next session could be, you know, everything that I just described with laboratory coats and beakers and stuff like that. Yeah. So they don't match up. So I'll do a third one. And then generally between the 3 2 of the 3 will will match up. Now, in this particular case, I did two sessions and both matched each other. So, I turned them into Dennis and then, you know, he came back and I gave me um something to like to look at more specifically.
0: We're going to take a little break now for uh so that the some commercials can run. And I can tell you in advance, folks, the commercial will be about my new book, Them which is also available at this point as an audio book. I know a lot of people have been waiting for that. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what we're into right now in Unknown Country and Dreamland. I'm already beginning to think about another book because unfortunately my writing has become a bad habit. I can't stop. So <laughs> in any case, <laughs> uh, them, is, um, them is out there. Now, but let's get back to this experience of yours. And it's interesting the way you do it because if you concentrate, you immediately that, that that organ we were talking about, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dennis, because I think it's a very important key here. That's why one of the reasons I guess the book's called the key. but yeah. um, uh, it goes into it, it becomes part of your it, it, it ceases to be in superposition. And right. but if you have take the indirect approach that you're describing, Don, you can pick up from it. You're getting ready to want to say something, Dennis, I can see.
1: I'm just nodding in agreement, Whitley. I mean, you, oh, okay. you, you do feel it coming in when you shut down. I mean, I, I, can, I can comment for a second. Um, but you, you do. It's, it's more when you're not focused specifically on what's the data, what's the data. It's You just write down your target ID number, and you sketch what's called an ideogram, and then information just comes flooding because you're relaxed, and it's just yeah, open up to be exactly. for it to come in. Yeah. So, you know, something
0: I want to do when I travel, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be going, but I'm going to be traveling next month. And at some point, Dennis or Don or whoever wants to do this in your group, I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. whoever wants to, I want a number. And I want to see if I can remote view from, from somewhere other than this flat, because I have been trained and very well trained in remote viewing. And there was a time when I was quite... A, an effective remote viewer,
1: so okay.
0: I, and I, oh, I wow. feel a little, a little crippled. But, you know, I'd li- I'd like to get it back.
1: I'll uh, I'll put a target together for you, Whitley. Um, you know, we'll okay. communicate offline and just let me know, and I'll, I'll have everything ready to go for you, full package. And okay. we can work it. All right,
0: great. We'll we'll do that in a few weeks, awesome. uh, and I'll report on the results here, folks. Believe me, I will report on Dreamland what the results were. Now, Don, did was there anything different? Was there any different feel to the sessions that involved the implant? Something you weren't used to? Yeah, or
2: okay. So let me think. The first session that I did was uh, pretty generic in... Uh, in my thinking. In other words, I was getting diverse sets of perceptions that didn't sort of like create much of a picture. Um, I got a sense of a of a group of people traveling to a hidden location, a laboratory equipment, some sort of intense study with bright light. and um, But that's about all. You know, I couldn't really make any heads or tails out of it. It could be anything. It um, could be a drug manufacturer. It could be, you know, it could be anything. Um, I think though, in my second session, I got a sense that there was some sort of extraterrestrial life form involved because I drew a heart-shaped face with eyes, so if you can think of this bevel, you know, coming around, right? And um uh, sometimes, uh, Whitley, when you get something like this, they sort of like open a floodgate it's like Mm -hmm. that image sort of like started giving me other perceptions that i wouldn't normally think about i mean that figure didn't seem like it was human and when i drew it and sketched it you know i was getting other sorts of things so um
0: when you say other sorts of things what do you mean
2: uh well i started getting words like uh if I I can pull this up later, but um yeah, yeah, I started I, I I had I had words like I think it was interdimensional, hmm. interdimensional beings. And like I looked it up and uh as I recall, you know, not having the definition in front of me, but as I recall, that meant a being capable of leaving their body and working outside of their body and then migrating or moving into another body or something like that it was like that caught me off guard.
0: Yeah, but it did.
2: That, uh, you know, that didn't, you know, this isn't somebody playing in golf, okay? This is something out of the ordinary, out of the ordinary, let's call it that. So, um, You kind of go with the flavor, all right? I was going, I was getting now this flavor of something, and it was starting to talk about beings coming from a far place, coming here, traveling here, and then, and they do this as a matter of course, this is just what they do. I mean, this is what their civilization or their science people or whatever, they just venture out. They're kind of like explorers. And when they get to a, their destination, they get in, engage in an intense study of the local life forms. None of this is making any sense to me yet. I'm just, you know, sort of like getting whatever information I can here. They're doing this intense study of these life forms. And then I'm starting to pick up that there are groups of individuals in girls. There's a group of, like, there's group A and B and C and a whole series of these things, and they're all being studied in some way um, and in a way that I can't really, you know, tell you that much about other than I started drawing pictures of it seemed like both non-human uh, uh biological life forms and then this like artificial intelligence sort of robotic life form like they were both somehow involved in this thing they were both observing watching or participating in some sort of action and um uh Wow, this stuff has blown my mind. Is this answering your question?
0: Well, you know, on the night that this happened, which is what you were remote viewing, there were two people who came into the room. But, and I've said this many times, I sensed a presence behind them that was sort of unformed. I sensed it as an alien presence, actually. Mm -hmm. But the two people looked to me like people, the man and the woman. All right, and um, so you could be picking up on that, because, and it's interesting too because I've spoken so little about it, but it was definitely there, uh, folks. I'm dying, dying of allergies here.
2: Uh, so am I. Um, I'm glad too. you said that. You're making me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
0: good. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm struggling with it. Now we we have a. Uh, Seven other remote viewers, Dennis, mm-hmm. and what's happening with them at the same at this time?
2: Uh, I, while, they all while had
0: he's work, doing his work. You're getting right. reports from others at the same time, I assume.
1: Yeah, this was a this was a robust target. This was one of those where I was like, wow, I think I might have bitten off more than I can chew right now because just the amount of data uh, that was coming in, and then a lot of the viewers. They really resonated with this target, and they just when a viewer gets on target, they just they just want to run with it. So I was getting multiple sessions and multiple pages of data coming in as they're exploring. Um, you know, some of them were exploring the, the technology itself. Um, you know, the the impact and how it interacts with the human mind. Some were exploring the the beings behind it and this grander scheme of things um you know so me as the as the tasker at that point and then the analyst looking at this information saying okay i've got all this information where do i want to send them what do i want what do i want them to explore further and and how does this whole picture tie in so they all had these unique experiences as they were going through it and they all reported that they they enjoyed uh their sessions very much i mean sometimes you get a target and you're like oh, i really didn't i didn't like this and like the energy behind it but they all walked away with very positive feelings uh of of not just the sessions themselves, but the data that came back, which was very rewarding to see.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, Don, what is your impression now of what the implant does? What is your thought about that?
2: I didn't get specific information on the implant like some of the other viewers did. I was getting this Backstory about, you know, a laboratory environment and equipment and, you know, people um, working with instruments and studying something small, something maybe even microscopic. Um, But I didn't get a sense of like, you know, telepathy or communication in that sense, other than I drew a sketch of a human shoulders and head with a bright light going into it. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I have no idea what that meant.
0: That's very interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking how very different the implant works than we would think. I mean, you would think that something like this would whisper instructions or control your mind or something like that, but it doesn't, it does a whole host of things. And, um, the communication that it is engaged with that I'm aware of is now it's a, it's, I I lost a lot of the vision in my right eye fooling around with screwing up, uh, with parallel universes. And and let me suffice to say, um, if you find yourself able to physically move into another universe, they don't want you there. As you keep up, they get mad. At least they mm. did with me. Mm.
2: so <laughs>
0: I don't do it anymore because I'd like to continue to see. They messed up my eye. Mm. and um, uh, the um, very cleverly done and but the, the the thing is this that that the, the when the slit is open, mm-hmm. there are words racing past. And I do feel a sense of something coming into my head that's like white. I feel it very indirectly. In other words, I don't feel, I don't see light. But when it's turned right. on, there does feel like there's some kind of a some kind of a connection involving light energy, that that's what is yep. used.
1: And so, can- several of our viewers uh, sketched exactly that, Whitley. We had, yeah. uh, I know Dad, I think Coral, Dimmy. Um, maybe uh, even Henny, they had these drawings of, and what it was, it was coming out of one person's uh, mind or their third eye. And then there was a higher being, a larger being, and there was a telepathic communication between them is what the, what the viewers were indicating. And they were, the Dimi talked about how there's multiple human minds that are connected through this device along with whatever these entities are connect and they're It's a hive mind, in essence, in what they're seeing. But the human minds, for the most part, mostly just receive information. The hive mind, uh, the higher mind, is able to transmit and receive and communicate amongst themselves. It's as if the humans, there's a limit on what they can do with it, at least at this point. And the overall picture behind the story that we started to weave together based on the data was that this is done for... For evolutionary purposes, it was a symbiotic relationship. It was actually a, a beautiful thing, and, and I came into this not a fan of looking at like Elon Musk's Nora Link and the connecting. Like it scares me very oh, much. God help us! Right, <laughs> but in, in looking at things, you know, with Hellfire, we looked at the Roswell technology and where that's going, and and you know, so getting these little sessions that we work on. The more I see about this influence that I think might be future-based within AI, it, it looks like it's, it's leading us somewhere uh, to a point of growth. It's not necessarily the Terminator takeover that we all fear sometimes. And th- this session particularly was, was very rewarding. It wasn't this scary data. It was like, wow, this is actually, uh, the viewers reported a, a very beautiful, caring, symbiotic relationship. And that was very nice to see.
0: I know what you mean, because that's how it feels to me, too. It's yeah. a, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The right. implant has become one of my very best friends. Yeah. And uh, I don't feel it as a threat in any way. I, although that was certainly not true at the beginning. At the beginning, it was right. horrifying to have it in there. Yeah. It's just awful. And I was I felt it was terribly claustrophobic. I felt trapped. And yeah. I kept wanting to get it out. But my wife kept insisting, no you 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 figure it out before you get mm-hmm. it out because then yeah. you don't ever have a chance mm. and yeah. i'm you know i'm like a i was like a uh uh i saw uh, uh, a video of crows that had been given collars yeah. and they were or no magpies, and they were working to get the collars off of each other and wow. I thought to myself if i had not had annie i would not have this implant in me to this day because i would have gotten rid of it and she finally consented to a single operation and she said Mm -hmm. you have to agree with me whitley uh this is the only time you're going to try because you should not take this out and and so i agreed and i tried and it failed it ran from here down into the bottom of my ear yeah so you mentioned symbiotic a few minutes ago and it's a kind Mm -hmm. of a living thing it's not just metal or technology at all i feel like it has a some kind of a living component although i know it is made Mm -hmm. of metal do either of you respond to that Uh, dennis what do you have to say about
1: that I th- what our data indicated it, there's a couple, there's a whole lot going on, and, and and you know, the video is out there on YouTube. I encourage other people to look at it and, and use their own analysis to interpret it. So, this is just my opinion of what the data says. Um, but it sounds like it's a combination of technology and some kind of biomass. Um, to make yes, this yes, the device itself, I believe, uh, again, based on the data is intelligent and intelligently designed, but not necessarily sentient but the minds behind it that interact with it are uh that that can help it with that communication piece don i don't know if you had a different experience in in perception
2: you know it's difficult to articulate some of this stuff but honestly i felt like um i was dealing with something that bordered on both physical and spiritual yes it was uh, in the sense that, okay, if you... I think one of the words that I wrote down in my session was these beings had a holistic mm-hmm. a mindset, holistic attitude, and I had to look that up. And it meant, you know, all-encompassing, um, you know, not just your everyday, you know, life, but, you know, the great beyond, What's what's beyond this. And I got a sense that this device was sort of like operated on from higher mentalities that somehow can manipulate physical matter into a usable form that beings having a physical body can take advantage of, but it's got this hierarchical kind of um, um, involvement. Whitley, does this make any sense at all?
0: Yeah, it does uh, because there's a there's a real sense of the presence of a person mm-hmm. with the um, with the uh, implant. I, in other words, I don't feel alone in here. I feel that there's this may be very small, but it's 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 it, it, it has a sense of personhood about it. It's very mm. palpable. I feel that pretty strongly. And I once had this peculiar dream about the implant during the time I wanted to get it removed and it it was desperately clinging to life. It did not want to be removed. Mm. And I thought it felt like I was murdering somebody by doing that. And when when the surgery was taking place, I, I was. I felt that again, I felt like I would murder somebody and it was a very odd feeling because you don't think of the thing like this you think it's a little piece of technology some kind of radio right. i mean it seems connected to these uh to these radios and uh and yet it's still it seems like a living being and don mm-hmm. did uh, did anyone get that sense of its life uh at all i think you did don didn't you
2: well that sketch where I had the human figure and this bright light, kind of like going into the into the skull, I felt that that represented kind of like the spirit or something like the spirit entering into, or you know, something from the spiritual realm entering into a physical body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: again, that's how it feels to me too.
1: And Coral, uh, it was uh, Darby, Demi, Uh, and I think Henny, they described this as, as almost like a mini brain. Um, and then Coral had this beautiful description. She was talking about, you know, referencing like fairy realms, but she described these tiny little, almost particulate size, um, life forms that were more spiritual and, and, you know, etheric, uh, that were involved with this, or it could have been the device itself that, that Coral's, you know, conscious mind was trying to interpret a real intelligence there, um behind this that, that, uh, you know, wanted to be there and, and again, had that, that balanced symbiotic relationship.
0: Did anyone or Don, you personally pick up anything about the why of the implant, why it's there?
2: Well, you know, I had mentioned, I got this. Backstory, you know, I'm looking at it here. It was sort of like um, it didn't explain why you got the implant. It sort of explained sort of the the rationale that went into, you know, working with this thing. It was like these bio-enhanced ET life forms, you know, that you know doing a terrestrial life study, and um, at some point their efforts. Became uh, a collaboration with the human population, possibly mm-hmm. with the governments of the of the planet and uh and um and the the human involvement have their own interests in this project um something about maybe space travel or um um military interests but then there was this other aspect where I got a sense that this data was not just held on this planet. It was Mm -hmm. sent back. And why was it being sent back? Because there's some concern um, about mass extinction. Again, I'm writing.
0: There's a big concern about mass extinction here Mm -hmm. because not everybody lives on planets like this, but we do. And our planet can be very testy. Uh, Like right now, the core of the planet has stopped rotating according to Mm -hmm. uh, scientists and what the consequences of that will be. I don't know, but, but the fact is that it, once it's not rotating anymore, it puts stresses on all of the layers above it. Mm -hmm. And there is a book uh, I've mentioned in another show recently called the Adam and Eve story, which is basically a story about crustal shift uh, that was, Mm-hmm. picked up and classified by the nationals by right. the uh, CIA.
1: Hapgood's work, I think.
0: No, it's not Hapgood's work, it's someone else. No? Okay. Later okay. Then, It probably draws on Hapgood. Okay. But th- they they classified large parts of this book. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was perhaps because they don't want people to know that an extinction event is is nigh because it'll it'll wreck society and wreck social order completely. Oh, it wouldn't with me. I wouldn't do anything different than what I'm doing now, except right. perhaps run. <laughs> but of course, right. We're, we're like an <laughs> ant orange. We can run and run and run. We don't go anywhere on Earth. Um, <laughs> now, it, it, was there any sense, Dennis, from any of the remote viewers mm-hmm. of a, of something frightening or hostile connected with this?
1: Uh, I We didn't get any... Uh, well, it's frightening in the sense of this is something that's happening that's scary that we don't understand which i think is by design Um, but i didn't get anything like this and and, and i don't mean that in a sinister way i think um, as you've articulated very well that fear is necessary for growth and the theme that i was seeing with the viewers that touched on this was that this was this was designed to help to humanity to grow in a certain way um, and what's curious is it reminds me, the Hellfire group looked at, uh, if you're familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch, we did a target looking at what they call the hitchhiker effect, how people go to Skinwalker and then they come home and things follow yeah. their home. So we looked at that mechanism. And I remember the session that I did, uh, and it was very similar data. And what I was sketching was a seed being planted in the mind by, of one person. And then that seed then grows and changes this person. It was like a shamanic journey, right? They grow mm-hmm. and they have this new wisdom. Yeah. And then they put that information out very slowly, but then that seed turns it into an entire garden. And then the gardeners oh, wow. are, are kind of harvesting there it was a beautiful session. And, and so seeing the themes coming through in this with the implant, it seems very similar to that seed where it's it's I mean, think about the story that you've told over the years. Take the, are ETs real, are they not? Are the visitors real, are they not? What your story forced your readers to do is to grow, to face the possibility that, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. This could be real. You're changed. And you think about the world in a different way at that point. So I think that's a big piece of what's happening. Why we have, some of us have some awareness of this and some of us talk about this because, To those that follow it it changes our perception expands our universe
0: yeah so it 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 it, it's an agent of change Mm -hmm. no question about that and agents of change always feel dangerous sometimes because they are dangerous and sometimes because they they we 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 are we don't understand them and they're very intimate and very very aggressive and they can feel dangerous when they're not um so Don how long you've been you've been doing remote viewing for a while do any sessions stand out and this is not about it's about you it's not about dreamland any sessions stand out in your life that are particularly haunting to you or very much in the front of your memory because they were so important
2: Well, I've done a lot of interesting sessions, and there have been many interesting anecdotes. Uh, Just to say one, for example, um, I did one session on a target, and um, uh, my teacher looked at it, and he said, I don't have to look at your session anymore than the front page, because your scribble on the front page was the target. I drew...
0: (laughs) I drew
2: something that looked like, I don't know, some big blob coming out of a splash of water, and the target was a whale jumping out of the water by a riverboat, and somebody had captured a movie of it and put it up on YouTube, all right? So um, I thought that was pretty interesting, Mm. but uh, quite honestly... This target was extremely interesting, like Dennis was talking about. We all felt very uplifted about it. Um, I did. I felt like I had a better sense of of this holistic mindset or whatever it is that we're in that you know this holistic attitude you know where there's more than just us and walls and floors and whatever there's stuff going on all kinds of stuff maybe even beings in the same physical space that we are just not aware of maybe clouds of mental energy that just migrate Mm -hmm. and move through physical matter i don't know what but to answer your question directly I did a session once on something that I lost. I thought it might have been in my house, but I wasn't sure. And when I I read. It was
0: there. I think I remember that. uh,
2: When when I went through that session, at first you don't understand these things. You know, you look at the words that you wrote and you wonder, hey, that sounds like that thing over there. And then I looked at what it was saying and it was said um, something about. Winner is likely. Well, that particular cabinet had a piece of painted glass on there where there were cards and dice on there, and it had 7 and 11 on the dice, and it had a a straight flush painted in cards that I never paid attention to. And Uh it, it said that in my session, and then it started moving around other parts in my room describing things that I owned that I never that i never called them that I, it you know i have like an exercise board that it called a equilateral not a triangle an mm-hmm. equilateral and that thing is just you know this this sloped platform with mm-hmm. with no bottom to it and and then there was something about kodak something kodak, kodak. and there was and 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 uh, something about a a box, and I realized I had a box in my bookshelf that was a box of negatives my dad gave me. That they were all Kodak developed films. <laughs> okay, it's like
1: that's um, fascinating. The way yeah, that when works. you
2: when you when you see this stuff happening, I felt like. Wow, this thing is like a ghost. It just sort of moves yeah. around and um, and it gathers information, and it will describe it to you in a way that's different from the way you think. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing with remote viewing that is I find the most interesting is you're learning to speak a new language in a way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. Uh, overall, mm-hmm. the implant. After having read all of the responses, what if someone came to you and said to you, we'll put an implant like this in you? Would you say yes or no?
1: That's a, that's a tough one. Um, at this, at at this point, and and I don't say this as a, a negative on what you have. I don't know that I'm ready for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm at a stage in my own intuitive and psychic development where I'm, I'm growing a lot right now with, as far as I know, Whitley, cause I've had some experiences. I could have some tech in me. Uh, I've ha- I've got some stories for another day, but, um, as far as I know, uh, I, am not aware of anything like that in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to, at this point, alter the course that I'm on yeah. um, with what I can do.
0: Well, that's exactly how I felt when I first had it in me. I was just frantic right. to get it out of me. Mm. Yeah. Don, what's your response to the same question? That uh, is
2: a very interesting question. I mean, like, boy, my mind is all over the place on that one. Um, I guess, okay, let me back up a little bit. I have been, you know, hearing mental conversations during meditation. Uh, Some of this, I think, plays out in my remote viewing work where I get these words that I don't even know what they are and have to look up. Okay, it seems like I've developed that a little bit because I was trying to hear more and more, better and better, what the words were being said. And this is going to sort of mess this whole topic up a little bit. But at one point, they said that I should be able to see stuff on my screen and I said Uh what screen and they said don't you have a screen like that you can see above your like above your eyes into your forehead and I said (laughs) no (laughs) and they said oh you're blind and I was like how should I feel about that? I mean, you know, what what what's going on here? Are, are, are we talking about like a culture that has this and it's so like common denominator that like anybody that doesn't have this should have one? I think and, uh, that
0: might be true.
1: Yeah.
2: So yeah. to answer your question, if I could have what they were talking about, The answer would be yes, I'd want that. I'd want that screen. I'd want to be able to get that information.
0: Now, um, uh, Don, you you mentioned before we started the show that you were interested in, um, and you've mentioned this in email too, that when you meditate, there are knockings and things like that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, sort of spirit knocks. and. You elaborate a little bit about on that uh, on that, and I know that there are some similarities between what you're experiencing and what I experience
2: all right, so let me uh, wander my way into this first first of all, I did the sessions with Dennis and we turned those in and and you know I had read the communion book years ago, everybody had seen the movie, so that was years ago and but after I did this remote viewing session, based on the uplifting feelings that I was getting out of my own session work and what it was talking about and how these beings were coming from other places and studying life and, you know, sort of worried about mass extinction and, you know, looking for solutions. And um, I started watching your YouTube videos, uh, your stand-up lectures. And um, when you started talking about, and this is a point that a lot of people are just not gonna pay any attention to. You were saying, yeah, you know, I need to do that meditation at night because if I don't do it, the visitors will wake me up and they use all sorts of creative ways to do that.
0: (laughs) They do indeed.
2: And then you went in through a small list of things. They might tap my shoulder. They might uh, dry kiss on the cheek. And I was like, no way, no way. Because I've experienced every one of those things, and I sent you a list of additional things that yes, uh, I've experienced, <laughs> all right? And um, uh, just to, to to say a few words about those, um, I've had, um, in the middle of uh, the night, it seemed like a light would pop on in the middle of my dream sleep, total darkness, move around like a flashlight, and then I'd hear the words, he's fine, next patient, and then the light would go out. (laughs) What's that? What was that? Right. Okay. Um, uh, Now, this was in the middle of the, the COVID era. Now, you know, getting back into this holistic thing, right? I'm starting to believe like there are energies or entities or you know mental you know collections of energies we can't see, but they're trying to do their good thing, they're trying to like help life in whatever way they can, yes. and I believe that that's what I encountered on that particular mm-hmm. evening. I tried to engage it, Whitley, in a conversation mentally, telepath—you know, using telepathy. I said, "Oh, please don't go. I—I want to hear you talk some more."
0: Right. <laughs> when you say talk, what do you mean?
2: Mental conversation, as in telepathy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, and um, yeah, I because had a lot too. okay, and this is why I wanted to talk to you because please tell me, are—are uh, are we doing the same thing here?
0: I think to a degree we are, and I'll tell you when it started with me was pretty much after my wife died, and I think in fact it is my wife. I think it's Anne, and I think she's here with me all the time. Listeners on the free side, this is where we leave you. We'll see you next week, and don't forget to take a look at them. Uh, And that we're basically bound together forever. Mm -hmm, This marriage was a strong one. And, yeah. um, which is a great, because I can't imagine anyone else I'd rather be with. So, yeah. um, oh, incidentally, speaking of this last night during my 11 o'clock meditation in sort of both in the, so, so vividly that I thought it was someone in the room, but it was obviously not, it was in my mind's eye. This woman, not, not a woman I've ever seen before, uh, came walking past me on the right wearing a big floppy hat and dress. That she looked like she'd been gardening or something. And she looked down at me with a smile on her face and said, hello, Whitley. <laughs> and then I walked on and disappeared. <laughs> and that was it. And I thought, well, that, that's the challenge to keep, stay concentrated on my meditation with this. But it was such fun. And this mm-hmm. is the arc of my life, really. Mm-hmm. This started out the darkest, most terrible thing. The first time an entity sort of semi-physical entity entered my room where I was, I it, we'd just come back from a, a long day of uh, lecturing Anne and I had, and we were lying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep. And suddenly this thing that almost looked like it was made of uh, ectoplasm, you know, it's very formless mm-hmm. yeah. kind of thing, yeah. came running into the room. I was wide awake and I'd been reading and I saw the movement out of the corner. My eyes was running mm-hmm. at me. I grabbed the bedside table, hurled it at the thing, of, and yelled with all my might. And this is fascinating. I, I wonder if either of you can pick up on this. You'll never get me. You'll never right. get me. Of course, Anne was <laughs> flying out of the bed. She, she was just going to sleep. And suddenly the guy, the husband, erupts and throws furniture across the room for a no yeah.
2: <laughs> So
0: what is this sense of being what are we being tamed because i wouldn't do that now at all i mean like when they come in they haven't come in and wake me up in a long time because i wake myself up but i guess if i didn't wake myself up they probably would start coming back again but i didn't mind it it, it was i was grateful yeah. for it for the uh, 3 a.m when dan dennis i Richard don't
1: I don't know if uh, I don't know that we're being tamed. It's maybe more conditioned, and I don't mean that with a negative connotation. After I read, after I read Communion, finally, um, I went on full panic mode cause it confirmed a lot of things that I had experienced <laughs> during my life. And I'm a I'm a former soldier. I was a counterintelligence agent with the military, and I was a police officer. And at the time, I was single. I lived alone. I said, "That's it." I'm going to use my training and I'm drawing a line in the sand until I figure out if this is good or bad, this is war. So I said, I need to condition myself to um, react without having to think because the paralysis would set in and then experiences would happen. So I started training myself to wake up, grab my firearm and go clear the house in, in the slightest little disturbance in the forest in my home. (laughs) <laughs> and things got real interesting then, and more things started to show up. And I'd wake up with things sitting on my chest or grabbing my leg, or, you know, and, and then it came to a point where I, I never saw faces because I was so afraid to see faces. You know, keep asking me, Do you want to see our faces? Say, no, do you want to see our faces? I would get scared. I'd get so far and then I'd get scared. And then what kind of put an end to this was they said, Do you want to see our face? And I was looking down and I saw feet. And I was coming up, and I was coming up of my own will. And I got to about the bottom half of the face, and I said, that's enough for me. And it was like, lesson over. You were able to master your fear to enough of an extent where then the experience changes, and it's no longer scary. I'm no longer looking at this as a threat. And if it is a threat, it's something that I'm in control of to an extent where it's not going to harm me. It's going to harm me in terms of, this is scary, and then I learn from it. And learning takes weeks, months, years sometimes to process it. Um, so I think it's this gradual conditioning of us going beyond that fear point to learn. I so agree learn. that absolutely, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Whitley. In your, you overcame your fear. I, you know, in your lectures, you were talking about how terrified you were to go back out into the woods to. Oh re- God to reconnect with the visitors, okay? And I thought, wow, that so reminds me of when I got my first sense of shock during meditation. A quick story here, Um, you know, when you meditate, you sort of like gradually get to the point where you can like let your thoughts drift on by, they're like clouds and it's almost Mm -hmm. like clouds in a night sky, you know, just let them go. If you get too close to them, they'll suck you in and you'll be thinking about work or the family or whatever it is. So you learn to sort of like step back. Maybe you'll dip your toe into one just so that you can back away to develop that control. Okay. But as I was doing this one night, I heard a voice in my mind say, do you think he can hear us? (laughs) Yeah. And that was so unexpected. It was so quiet in the back of my, you know, the subconscious or whatever it is. It was so quiet. It's like, I had to think about it. It sounded like one person is talking to another, in other words. Uh, mm -hmm. So I mentally asked the question, are there two of you? At that moment, you know, I'm sitting with my back against a wall. There was a tap right behind my left ear, and then another tap right behind my other mm-hmm. ear. Scared the heck out of me because <laughs> yeah, of course it did. I, I was not expecting it. And it, it. to use your own words, it pulled the rug out from underneath of me. I was now mm-hmm. in free float. I didn't know where ground was anymore. My belief system had just been, oh, you okay. know, altered (laughs) yeah so so it dennis what you're talking about overcoming fear whitley you did Mm -hmm. it walking out in the woods it took me a couple of years this is not something Mm -hmm. that you can just oh yeah you know you encountered fear and you're gonna you know let's overcome it man you've got to rewire your your mind or your brain or something like that in order to do it
0: i i don't think it's ever completely overcome because when something new emerges Mm -hmm. uh, you get the same thing you know i'll there's something that happens to me that i want to bring up because i I think one or maybe both of you guys or neither i don't know might have a similar experience i was at the contact in the desert show a couple of years ago about it it was in this it was in 2016 actually and um the right before all of the this is the inception moment of all of the things that have happened at 3 a.m. since. I was meditating in my 11 p.m. meditation, and I noticed this very dark shadow in the room. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it, and I thought, you know, sort of like, this is this a shadow? What is that? And it was shaped like a vesica Pisces uh, on the vertical and and about uh, four feet from top to bottom. And as I watched, it glided toward me, and then turned to the horizontal and dropped down onto my feet. And at this point, it was obviously a presence of some kind. It was not physical, but it was not unphysical either. It was right at the edge. And I looked down and my feet were like under a shadow. You could barely see them. And then I could feel this lovely kind of tension, a kind of vibration coming into my legs. And I thought to myself, do I want to let this come in or not? And I thought, yes. And it's been with me ever since. Wow. It is. And, and I'll tell you, yeah, it, it comes like if I meditate too long or, or if I'm falling asleep in my chair before I meditate, if I meditate too long, if God forbid I should fall asleep during a meeting, um, or especially in the type, while I'm watching the type of kids movies with my grandkids that Anne used to love, if I fall asleep then, it's going to just zap the dickens out of me. I think it's my wife. I think she's still here. Wow. Yeah, I, I just think that's the case. Yeah. And I'm wondering if if maybe what we're all dealing with is not aliens at all.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: A whole nother level of humanity.
2: Yes. I so believe that. Yes. Yeah. I think
1: it, it, that's a very good question. You know, and it ties in, I think a lot of, there's no easy answer for that. I think based on our vantage, you know, I, I love that you've taken the care to, to not label, this experience beyond these are visitors. We can speculate. There's aliens. Yeah. We've explored all of that stuff. Is this an aspect of ourselves? Is this an aspect with remote viewing? There is no time and space. We go anywhere in time and space. Yeah. Is that indicative of our actual the nature of, of our reality? Are we dealing with something as AI is coming online? Is that what we're in? Some kind of advanced AI. You know, if you look at the Gnostic texts, they talk about Mm-hmm. the aeons which are these they're intelligent but they're also these universes and they have what's called aionic copies where a, a part of your soul goes to learn a piece of information and then it merges back i mean they're talking about virtual reality is what it sounds like wow you know carla turner's book masquerade of angels she had a little black box where consciousness would come out and I mean, is that a, a transportable hard drive Where are con- you yeah. so we don't know what this is are we looking at like you said other aspects uh, of ourselves i mean the this journey started for me when my, when my father died, Um, you know, really I'd say it got real intense when my father died and that's been a guiding force for me as I am led to different things. So I think we don't know, but I I love that, you know, the connection to your wife that you have. And I think that's so inspiring that, you know, it's, there's more going on than just the scary things we see on the news in in this world.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's somehow, I don't know, mass media is not giving us the the real info. All right. It, I feel like there's a wall separating us from what's really going on. And it's it's like individual discovery. It's like discussions like this right now where we get to share, you know, discussions about our truth, what we experience, what you experienced, and how it's bigger than what we've ever imagined. It's more all encompassing. It's, um, it's fascinating.
0: Here on this little speck of dust in the middle of nowhere, very present mm-hmm. here. Listen, if, Don, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Uh, you mentioned a clicking noise at some point. Mm-hmm. Do you remember saying that?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hey, <laughs> can
0: you talk about that a little bit?
2: All right. Well, we're going to. This is going to get into a little bit of my theory now, because after you experience all this for a while, um, uh, let me me start by saying this. When I began meditation, it was just because um, uh, I I went to an experimental meditation session where we were going to try to reach out with our minds to beings that were enlightened and that could help us in spiritual evolution. That was the idea you know we had this chart of the electromagnetic spectrum and in this chart there's like this tiny little wedge which is what we can see in here and, hear. and mm-hmm. all all of the stuff in the periphery we're not aware of so that to me meant yeah man there's a lot of stuff that could be in there that we don't know about and maybe they don't even know about us but anyway mm-hmm. maybe we can reach out with meditation we'll see I contacted something and that session that was just so delightful, energy or whatever I don't know what it was, but when I left that that uh session that evening, um I just felt like i was I was not just in this world, there's like some other other dimensions or something that I'm all part of it's It's some bigger thing. And I liked that energy. That was the thing. I liked that energy and I wanted to get back to it. But you know how work is. You know, you have the weekend, you're dealing with family, then you have your beginning Uh week, Monday through Friday. And by the time Friday rolls around, I realized I was hurting. I was hurting because I missed something. What was it? It was those feelings I had at that meditation session. Uh So i decided look i got to try to find some way to get back uh and so i went uh, into the basement i lowered the lights put on some light music and i started meditating that was the beginning and i reconnected with those feelings yay and it was so wonderful that my god i had to do this every night this is important i i couldn't wait to get back from work and and do this thing all right Mm -hmm. Mm so then as i grew more confident with this thing. I wanted to lower the lights and turn off the music to have a stronger connection with my meditative state. That's a little scary because you're aware now of stuff that you weren't aware of before. I don't know. Maybe it's the the, the, the fact there that
0: there is you, actually somebody there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah you felt, I, I felt like, well, anyway, you heard, I told the story about the taps. Then I started realizing that as I was meditating, sometimes you drift away into like a moment's worth of um, unconsciousness or or something, and then I'd feel a bump on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Or I would feel, uh, i hear a a, a tap somewhere else. And, And I started realizing, no way, no way, it can't be. It's aware of my mental process.
0: Oh yeah,
2: it's very aware of my mental process, and it's pointing out to me in a way that I'm now becoming more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Because I got tapped on the shoulder the moment I drifted off into subconscious, and then came back, I realized it knew about that, and and I was becoming aware of it. So, fast forward a little bit now. Um, I started hearing sounds in the bedroom. Okay, this is Whitley. This is where, you know, like what you were talking about in your lectures. Mine were similar, okay, but I didn't just have taps on the shoulder. I was hearing synchronized taps on different walls. Tick, tick, tick. Then how about this one? Tick. The second one was on my tooth.
0: Uh, huh. See, all right. Similar to what happens to me. All similar. right. Yeah,
2: that's what I wanted to connect with you. Did you experience yeah. anything like this?
0: Of course, much. Not, not, no one ever fooled with my teeth, thankfully. But kisses <laughs> and on the lips and blowing in my face or, or uh, wriggling my ear, mm-hmm. uh, making a sound of a school bell in the living room. Uh, all kinds of stuff like that uh,
2: okay now going um on? did did you you hear you hear words right you hear telepathy right during uh, meditation to
0: some extent not not that much i i i i think that th- that comes into me differently because of the implant okay it,
1: it
2: dennis is... do you have that too or
1: uh no i get more uh claircognizant um so I, it's like a download. I'll get a, a stream or a thought or a phrase or just a sense of knowing where it's like That's what that happens coming to from? me. Yeah, and I just I just know things and I look it up and it's like wow well, how's this a real thing? Like I just Wow, okay, know. this is
2: really different. Okay, this is really different.
1: We all we all like get what happens different. to me. It makes me wonder if you have an yeah. implant. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I have I have a lot of stories I haven't explored uh, yet publicly um, and I can talk to you about it later, Whitley, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, But I I do have a lot of those experiences where and and then the where it like the way it led me to Daz Smith and the remote viewers that I work with now. And it's just been an amazing journey uh, how I feel that there has been a, a guidance. And I do feel it's been by choice because I ask and I want to know and okay, what's next or that terrifies me slow down. But I still want to figure this out. And then as I'm ready, another avenue opens up. It's Mm -hmm. just been an incredible journey.
2: Do you, Whitley, do you hear multiple different um, personalities, let's put it that way? Do you, you know, do they engage in different sorts of conversation?
0: Yes, very Definitely.
2: Okay, because this brings me to the theory that I wanted to discuss with you. And that is that um, I, all right, let me just try to describe this the best way I can. I'm starting to believe that there is mental energy everywhere, but it's sort of like unmagnetized. It's just floating around without any kind of like sense of, you know, what's going on. But in the presence of thought, you, thinking, coherent thoughts, I believe that this energy can get magnetized in a way. It can, can start spinning up into a kind of a, its own little embryonic life form. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's take an example. You believe in angels. Okay, so you, you're you spinning up this this idea of like, you know, Angelic you know um, aspects, and um it's real. It can't do math problems. If you ask it to ha- how much is six and four, it probably can't answer that, but it has all of this emotional energy associated with it that is real and might actually be able to communicate, okay, so the things that I hear. When I hear mental conversation, some of them, I believe, are these embryonic life forms. These are simplistic mental energies that maybe have something to do with the way that you yourself think. Mm -hmm. They can communicate in very simplistic ways. Okay, that's one type. Now, then there's telepathic adepts let's call them yeah that. these are beings that
0: And you're a telepathic you're telepathic
2: i believe so because i can have a conversation with somebody that can have uh, that, that'll ask you more detailed questions things that only a human being would would ever ask you um you yeah, know they might say um uh, uh you know would you would you ever steal anything from the military would you ever use your your gifts to to um, you know um uh, get secret information it was almost like you know probing you know they want to know answers to very specific questions now you know how do you think of yourself knowing that you can remote view are you a superhero <laughs> you know like questions like um uh these simplistic embryonic energies can't deal with stuff like this. But a human being who's a real telepath can. Yeah. They can ask detailed questions. Then there's one more category, and that's the beings that are even beyond that. These are the that ones... Is the... the the... The beings that have capabilities even beyond the adept.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and they are certainly here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: okay so in my example i had one that was able to pull information out of my mind that i didn't even remember and they did it almost instantly and the way that i it's fascinating because you can get a glimpse of what's going on. You can see them rummaging around in your mind. Like it's a dumpster, you know, gathering this, that, 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 that building a little outline. And then I think they take that outline. It's not full. It doesn't have a complete picture. So they go somewhere with it. They must go into the past with that somehow travel in time, fill in the outline in a, in two, three seconds, they have the information. It's amazing. It's amazing. So those are the three categories that I've come up with. Tell me Whitley, what, what have you experienced?
0: Well, um, I'm I'm not going to go too much into my own experiences on, you know, because largely because my listeners know that part of my life. Oh. And, but, uh, I will say this, that what you're describing is very familiar, certainly. Okay. And, uh, the, um, The relationship for me is very much idea based and um, there's not a lot of telepathy. There's some, I mean, there's some sort of channeling, I guess, but mostly it's uh, working with ideas. We're going to, we're coming to the end of the show. Unfortunately, Uh, it's been fascinating. I have had a massive quiet personal struggle here because of my allergies. It's just been driving me crazy um unfortunately i haven't gone into a sneezing fit so um, (laughs) did great willie i hope listeners that and and viewers that you weren't that you didn't notice it too much i was touching my face and going off okay so where are you guys going from here dennis what what if you have an ambition with regard to remote viewing what is it
1: uh it's it's for, personally it's to continue to grow as as a viewer um and just seeing where it takes me th- with these interesting projects that come on uh i just want to continue to to hone my skill and my craft um and continue to meet p- other people uh in the field who can help me on that journey yeah uh you know i i'm an author um and i use i'm slowly starting to work on a project uh, as the third iteration of a, of a series of books I'm writing that's based mostly on what I'm learning now in my own life, my own journey, based on my remote viewing experiences and the insights I've gotten from that. So that's kind of my new venture now.
0: And um, Don, I didn't ask you this question. Uh, I asked this of Dennis. At least I don't believe I did. If I did, well, we'll, we'll go on to something else. Uh, what would you Would you have the implant? Would you have that in your... If, you, if it was all on offer.
2: Yeah. Uh, the way I responded to that was, if I could get this visual thing that um, the voices in my mind were talking about, I would want it. Because yeah. it seems like they already have it, and they're expecting everybody to have it already. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would, I would get it, yes.
0: I was told by... Some of the people who dis- who explained the implant to me came. Be- people who came here in this apartment a couple of nights before I was going to do a CAT scan for Kit Green, the uh, uh, mm-hmm. doctor who who is involved with the Close Encounter Witnesses. Right, uh, and they were afraid that after the CAT scan, he would be keen to get it removed and would try to talk me into it. And they t- explained to me how it worked and who had built it. Hmm. And their their contention was that it was designed by a man named Constantine Rotter uh, who was in in this life. And, but not when he was alive, after he died. And in this life, he was, of course, the famous uh, 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 EVP expert, <laughs> electronic voice uh, phenomena expert. And the other person I know of who has such an implant, I mean, has the slit. He doesn't know where the implant is. He has the slit with the words running through it is a, uh, an expert on Constantine Broadway. And his like, You so said it has got something to do with all of this. And I wonder as we close out, what do you think of that? Are we, when we, when we are, how much of this is human? And how much of it is not human in some way. I want you to just give me your sense of it. I'm not asking for a final answer, but let's mm-hmm. start with you, Dennis. How do you react to that? Uh,
1: a very difficult question, and two years from now I may have a totally different answer. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if what we're dealing with is a future aspect in the terms of our perception of time right now. A future aspect of our own humanity, somehow working with itself. Um, so I think there is a, a a lot of us within whatever this is. It just may, may not be us as we know ourselves today. Don.
2: Okay, you said he designed this thing not while he was alive, but after he passed after on. After he died, yes. Okay, so. You just verified what I just talked about in my remote viewing session, where I felt like there was this spiritual component That's that right. was designing something and being used by physical beings. Yes. So, wow.
0: They communicated, he communicated to someone on this side, probably the people who came and explained it to me, how it worked, because there are people on this side who are, intimately connected and working with uh-huh. our own dead. I'm convinced yeah. of it. Uh-huh. And they just keep to themselves. They're very careful about that, uh-huh. but they're here. And I think we should all be very grateful that the species is coming together in this way. And let's end it by thinking that maybe, maybe this is the beginning of something more that, because uh-huh. we, yeah. are, we are, Annie talks, us, talks to me about the, us being split a split mm-hmm. personality, a split species, and that the physical and non-physical parts of it need to come together and begin to work together and then she would, as she said, you will figure it out very quickly. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, gentlemen, thank you for an absolutely fascinating session. It's wonderful uh, to be I, here. Thank you. And uh, thank you. the uh, health... <laughs> The the remote viewing club is it it, it is the what is it The hellfire remote view hellfire remote fire viewing remote. Club. I, just is. one last question why did you choose the term hellfire <laughs> did you to scare off all the Christian fundamentalists or what
1: no this was this was Daz Smith's idea uh, and it's based on a 17th century group that evolved over the centuries they called themselves hellfires they were involved yeah, in politics yeah. and. And they looked at those uh, obscure things and advanced secret knowledge. So Daz, um, you know, he kind of brought that name back to life to use as, as our logo. It's, he has a description of it uh, on our website as well, talking about right. where the name comes from. Because it's such a unique okay. name. Yeah. yeah. And
2: by the way, Whitley, you are invited onto that remote viewing Daz chat that we have on Friday. So, you know, I'm okay. sure some of the viewers would love to. Uh, ask you some questions about, you know, how you feel about the data and what your personal uh, reactions sure. were and s- stuff like that.
0: Well, just let me know and I can see if I can I'll make reach out time. to you. Really. Yeah. Hellfire remote viewing club, hellfire RV.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Some very interesting people doing, in my opinion, some really interesting stuff. Thank you both for being with us.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. Had yeah. a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, Thank me you. Too. It was wonderful. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now.
2: You've been listening to
0: Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.